the only time I suppose we would do food again is if like Tom Cruise rang us up and was like, I want to come on the show, but I only do it. I want the food. Yeah. I want, I want everything. I want George's banana bread. I want yeah. the toasty. Where's the toasty maker? You also sound like Quentin Tarantino there. Any sort of They have an intensity of conversation which only Scorsese, Tom Cruise, and Quentin Tarantino have the very quick, you know, talk, talk. They couldn't work together. Scale. They would just implode. Could you imagine? No, yeah. no, Tom, what I, what I need you to do... It's too much movie. It's too much <laughs> too movie. Much. It's too, it's much, too much movie. It's too many heads trying to pilot something. Yeah. You can't... There's too many people there trying to save what cinema is. <laughs> like, disagree. We, we saw Tarantino talk. It's like no one else in the room can be doing what you're trying to do. No. And if Tom Cruise is like, no, no, but what we got to do. No, no, listen to me. Listen yeah. to me. I'm, let me be very, very clear. No, listen to me, Tom. <laughs> Who's that? That's quite Tarantino. Oh, yeah. just telling him. No, Tom. Yeah, no, yeah. Tom. And I mean, well, uh, of course, he's using the back link. Uh, it's, it's, okay. it's, I, 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 George, 100 episodes. Mate, pleasure. what a pleasure. Congratulations. Pleasure. 100 times you've been here. 100 times. 100 times we sat down. Yep. That and music, which we don't actually hear when we record, but I, the people there. do. It's in my brain. It's there. Do you like self editorialize? Yeah. Sometimes when there's like a nice little heightened comedic bit, I go, oh, maybe for the cold open. Yeah. I hear, I I hear the music. It. Yeah. And, I, and then when I see the edit, I go, oh, that's the cold open. That this week. really. Ooh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Mm. Oh, there wasn't one this week. What a shape. <laughs> let's, yeah. make, let's find a bit where George was being silly. We'll just put that yeah. in there. Welcome, episode everybody. 100. 100 episodes. Woo! It's like a birthday and Christmas and New Year's all at once for us. It's great. Today, we are going to be giving out two view gift cards worth £50 to two lucky listeners. Stay tuned to the end of the episode to find out how you can win them. And... We can't believe we're here. Annoyingly, years are 52 weeks. So we're yeah. like, we're <laughs> just like a month off from our... God damn it. Like, well, and then there's also calendar. the two weeks that we... The only two weeks, really, that we took off when we came back. Do you remember? Oh, that was, we don't talk we about don't that. Talk that about was ages that. ago. Yeah, we did we're food. So, <laughs> yeah. We did, you know... It's it's a hundred episodes, and we know we've mentioning it for a while. So we feel very we feel very lucky to be doing to have got this far. Yeah. feel very happy with what we're going to talk about this episode. We're very excited. And... I'd like to begin, James, with... <laughs> I did, I just sort of headbutted the microphone out of excitement. I'd like to begin, first of all, by saying that for this episode, I have made us a lovely pot of tea. I, oh, I was wondering, yeah. this pot, so that this you bought pot, me for my birthday, I bought this which, thank pot, you very much. This lovely beautiful green. teapot for James's birthday. I love, Sorry, a, I love a dark autumnal green. It's one of my colours in my palette. I'd, that's why I absolutely choose it. I was like, <laughs> that's a James green. Yeah. And sorry for... Um, the listeners, I will try and describe as best as possible. So I have a pot of tea here mm-hmm. for us, James. Mm-hmm. It but looks like something you would find at the London Transport Museum, kind of oh, aesthetic, yeah. like old school uh, Edwardian England. I'd say if you told me that that was like used in Churchill's war room, yes. I believe it. Yes. You know, some yeah. sort of tea trolley going past at the time. But it would be remiss for us on episode 100 to have tea without having some cake oh guys he's brought back the food i've brought back we mentioned oh, it beautiful. I mean, it doesn't look very appetizing on camera it looks very beige what neither did the food we did before <laughs> but in the in to honor the fact that there have been some listeners i think specifically tarby have been emailing and saying bring back the food bring back the food bring back the food. P.S. bring back the food you know we we've kind of left the food behind happily but for because it's one episode 100 to recognize our roots I'm presenting you with some homemade banana bread. Oh, homemade banana bread. <laughs> and we can nibble that. And because of our tea conversations, I thought it was only appropriate that we have a proper cup of tea. Would you like me to be mother, as they I say? I would love you. Yes, please. Thank you. There you go. Good pour on that. Look 
Oh, look at the steam coming out of that. It's beautiful. You burn yourself. Like, yeah. (laughs) That's the end of the episode. (laughs) (laughs) That is hot. You got that piping hot. I'm telling you, this is the thing about these teapots because it's enamel, it really like contains the the temperature very well. That's got three tea bags in because your water, even filtered, James, tastes like arse. (laughs) So (laughs) we need to get you your own supply of Evian for the flat. And then. I'm going to do your milk for you. Yes, because... this is made by my girlfriend's grandmother in Johannesburg. Well, the milk? No, the, the <laughs> pot. I was going to say, like, what? <laughs> Grandma. Jesus. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> Enjoy. Yeah, like, That's a Sweet weird joke. The taste. <laughs> there we go. We have, I've left a spoon in the other room. That's too hot to drink. I, I'm feeling oh, it. the best kind. Hang on. <laughs> what? Steam blowing off that. But the thing is, because this is a ceramic mug and it's deep, it's a sink, it's a heat sink, which means it'll soon take out all the heat from, mm. you know, from the tea. Yeah. It does look too hot to drink. Yeah. It looks like the fires <laughs> of Mustafa. You've made a point now on yeah. how you have to drink it. I like a strong that's, tea. That's tart. Not a regular tea drinker, but when I do like it, I like it strong. I want it to, I want to know it's there. I'm just going to nibble these. Are very, this is a very crumbly bit of Thank bread. You. but just uh, Banana bread is some of the only instances I allow myself to eat banana. Mm. Oh, yes, because you're yes. not a banana. Yeah. I feel like if we were a church, this is our Eucharist. This yeah. is us breaking <laughs> the bread. Yeah. Guys, the food is back. For one time For one only. one time only. <laughs> it reminds me of nursery. They used to always bring up banana bread. Oh, really? Yeah, at, um, at snack time. It reminds me of COVID. Anyway, <laughs> so we brought it back. There you go. I hope we're happy. Yeah. So 100 episodes, James. Well, you know, we'll, we're just reflecting that a second. Yeah. With the fact that we got an email the other day. I mean, I, we'll probably read it out at some point, but in it, someone was like, congratulations on you know, two years of episodes. George looks so much older. He's aged. I'm like, yes, I'm aware of the fact. I've of noticed the, uh, the, the, the steady aging of just two years. Yeah. But we, when we look back on the old episodes, like it was shot slightly differently. Figuring out how to shoot in the space is always, yeah. is always fun because it's a very small space. Mm-hmm. But like sometimes I look at the old clips and I'm like, why do we look older in the in the old yes. clips? There's yeah. something really sepia and strange about them. Yeah. Considering it's not that long ago. Sometimes, but, yeah. <laughs> it, it looks like it could be nine years ago, not two years ago. Some of the angles are a little bit Dutch. Sometimes yeah. we include different parts of the flat, the, the logo change. I reset this up every single time. Yeah. Which I think... It's fair. it's pretty consistent considering it gets completely. And we've just changed time. our lenses as well, so they look give a nice. And George, we've got a whole new look and feel. Oh, look at that! We've got new, 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 new shots of updated branding, updated branding, updated imagery. Marlon Brand, more slick, more professional. Look at that! Yeah, groovy, funky. I, I bet people would be like, "Oh, I prefer the old one." Yeah, I, I prefer the old. I prefer the food. Yeah. I'd, I'd I actually prefer, quite I prefer like George it. Younger. Yeah, <laughs> I'd actually quite like it if, like, you know, some really good podcasts have been going on for ages. Like, yeah, I do listen to that now, but they used to be way better back. Oh you yeah, know, back when it was just back in the old days. You know, that's the thing. Yeah, they were. They were. They're now sort of. It's okay now. Like I kind of listen, but oh, the good old days with the food. The food? Are you oh kidding me? Oh. Those first thirteen episodes. Yeah. Unreal. Yeah. Unreal. <laughs> and now they're kind of just. You know, going yeah, through the motions, doing the premieres oh, now. Killers of the Flower Moon. Oh, great. Like, whatever. Yeah, whatever. That's not what I'm there. That's not what the real people want. Yeah, when we're on episode, like, 731. <laughs> we would have to, hang on, to do 700 episodes. 50, yeah, so that's 14 years. <gasps> we'd be mid-40s. Oh, my God. <laughs> we'd be 43. <laughs> we both just went quiet at the floor. Just this, oh, I didn't realize this, the sweet specter of Father Time was in the room. Anyway, we digress. Welcome again to episode 100. So we have got uh, a different episode today. To, yeah. to mark the occasion, um, we have, as we've been saying for many weeks, 
voice notes that have been sent in from many a listener, mm-hmm. which we really appreciate. Friends of the show. That we're gonna non-friends be, of the show. Non-friends of the show. All technically a friend of part the show. Of everyone, you know, yeah. the, the, the closer friends, the, the faraway friends, all friends, the whole congregation yeah. of the Pulp Kitchen corporation of family. And that's going to be really exciting. So we're really looking forward to playing those out. And if you are craving... A film review, though, this week. Mm-hmm. If you're thinking, oh, I, you know, I, I like it being different, but I do like to get a bit of film review. Don't worry. We've got two film reviews, about two big films coming out. That is, James? Anatomy of a Fool, the winner of the Palm d'Or at Cannes this year. And also Bottoms, the uh, Iowa DeBerry starring raucous high school comedy. We are going to be reviewing both those things in the bonus episode this week. Friday. So you can, we'll have a fun episode 100 now, mm-hmm. and then Friday will come along, you'll get your little film reviews, mm-hmm. and, and then... Everyone's happy. Today, George, all the day this comes out, it's quiz day. Can't wait. This is it. So talking about it in the future. We are very excited to be doing the pub quiz today. Again, to reiterate, we are sorry that obviously not all of you can be there, but Mm -hmm. you know, it's a pilot scheme and we are really happy to have (laughs) a hundred people, a hundred episodes um, to come in and we're hoping it's going to be good fun. We will share some feedback about what it was like. I genuinely can't wait. Yeah, I'm excited. Nervous. A little bit nervous, yeah. Yeah, because we want to we want to deliver people. a good quiz, and we James yeah. been we spent a long time oh last my weekend gosh. writing this quiz. We didn't just get AI to do it, no, because you could do that, and there are even like websites oh, which yeah. just like generate film questions. We didn't do that. We wrote no. them out. We carefully crafted them. Thought about which question would be the most fun, which which question should end. You know, literally the order of questions in each round to make yeah. sure they didn't you know they had a nice flow to them. So. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna be great. So James, we're teed up. We've had some food. Why don't we crack on with the episode and listen to some audience voice notes? Let's do it. So, guys, let's do the voice notes that we've received. We're very excited to have Thank these you for in. sending them in. Thank you very much for sending them. We're very excited. This first one is from Will. Will? Who says... Hi, uh, Jordan James. Uh, James and George. Uh, this is Will from Derby, uh, newly studying in Manchester. Um, I love your show, by the way. Uh, congratulations on a hundred episodes. Um, it just—it's so great to like listen to it every week. Uh, yeah, and it's just—it's like nice to have one in like the background when like, I'm cooking or stuff. Uh, it's great. I just, sorry. Um, anyway, so uh, my question was about film scores. Um, so I—I like, I love music and films like so much. I don't like study or anything, but I just like really like it. And it like really like just elevates the experience for me. Uh, I'm sure it does like a lot of other people. Um, so my question was because my favourite film is La Land, which is obviously like heavily musical, um, and I just wanted to know what were your favourite film scores, or just like what were like some of your favourite film scores if you can't pick just one. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't normally speak by the way, so that's why I'm like <laughs> talking really quickly. Um, yeah, uh, just uh, thank you for just you know making my Wednesdays way more interesting, and uh, I appreciate like just like the weekly episodes that come up consistently. By the way. Uh, which is like really impressive. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm rambling a bit now, but thank you for 100 episodes and hopefully we see more in the future. Well, thank That's you so much. Very sweet voice there. Not rambling at all. It's very sweet. Well, we absolutely can answer that question. I think we've had a similar one before, but I'm happy to reiterate. I'm happy to go into some, some nice answers. scores. Go on, George. Well, uh, we've talked about this, but my absolutely favourite film score of all time will be Interstellar. Um, it is. It is. Fantastic. A lot of people's favorite, and for a really good reason. Yeah, it's really, really good. Yeah. Um, I would also say uh, Van, uh, Vangelis' Blade Runner, mm-hmm. uh, Johnny Greenwood's score for There Will Be Blood, yeah. Arrival, Dunkirk. Arrival, so good. Um, 
Daniel Pemberton's one for Steve Jobs, Mika Levy's score for Under the Skin, and Jackie. Uh, and actually, I've, I think I mentioned this last year, but the film Blonde, which we did not like, has a really, really, really good score yeah. that I listen to a lot to work to um, by Nick Cave, Moore and Ellis. So there you go. Um, yeah, I feel like um, the music at the end of Arrival on the Nature of Daylight is almost like a film school that's leased out to really great films. Like, you know, it's a yeah. Shutter Island and it was in The Last of Us mm. and Arrival. That's a really, really good one. But it's not... Is that... It's Johan Johansson who does the score, right? But, that, but that's not that, Johan Johansson. No, that Max Richter does on The Nature of Daylight. Yeah, but that's... So, so yeah, he, but, so he brings that song in, but the rest yeah. of the score for Arrival is... Yes, but Johan it's funny Johansson, how, like, right? that bit, which is yeah, yeah, considered yeah. score, is, like, this amazing piece of music that other films yeah. just pick up on and, like, use yeah. incredibly. Um, one of my choices I put is a score called Table for Two in the very end of Nocturnal Animals, which is oh, by Abel Korzeniowski. Yeah, yeah. yes. And yeah. I apologize if I didn't get that right. I always thought that moment, which is at the very end of the film, uh, when you sort of realize what's going on, that's a really great swell of emotion and very like Tom Ford-esque. Mm. Like, isn't this just oh, so dramatic? Oh my mm. God. Um, Harry Escort's score for Shame is really, really good and dark and haunting. And then of course, I couldn't not mention Howard Shaw in The Lord mm. of the Rings, but I will, I will give a specific moment in Lord of the Rings and the Fellowship of the Fellowship of the Ring, when they are stuck in Moria and Gandalf realizes he needs to use his nose to find the right path. And he walks them down and he's like, When in doubt, Meriadoc, always follow your nose. And then the music is building, like, let me just use a little more light. And he lights up his staff and reveals mm. Dwara Dwarf, which was like the halls of Moria, which are now abandoned. It's this like mm. infinite room of pillars. Mm. And that musical score, if you know it, is just so, so good. The wide it gives you, mm. the sense that like makes Tolkien great, which is like, here is a world that has existed for thousands of years. It's already here. Here's an entire city. And they're just like walking through the ruins. One of my ma- favorite Howard Shaw score mm. moments from one of the best scores of all time, which is Lord of the Rings. A use of score, but not, again, if we're talking about, you know, with Arrival, about use of score, but not from the movie, not written for the movie from which it is. Yeah. A movie that uses almost like classical or, or score music. So in The Truman Show, when uh, uh, Truman yeah. stops the bus, he realizes that he has power. Yes. Is that uh, they use Philip Glass's Anthem 2 from Koyana Skatsi, I want to say, which is really good. Just yeah. to dum, 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 dum. Yeah. The realization, the cogs in his mind turning. Hang on a Perfect second. Perfect reaction here. from Jim Carrey. Perfect. Yeah. yeah, wait a minute. This is not. And, oh, it's just so good. Yeah. So good. Yep. Thank you very much, Will, for that message. Today, uh, James and George is from, Dan from Daniel. Brisbane, Australia here. Just wanted to say congratulations on reaching 100 episodes. Such a huge achievement. Um, and thank you guys for the work that you've been doing. It's been fantastic. My question for you guys is, do you think watching a director's filmography not in the order that they were made can impact how you view each film? Uh, so, for example, my favourite Damien Chazelle film is La La Land. Uh, it's also the first of his that I watched. Um, and the last of his that I watched was Whiplash. And to me, it just didn't quite hit the same heights as La La Land. Um, I know it's well regarded as one of his best movies, if not his best movie. To me, it just didn't quite hit the same as some of his other work. Um, not sure if that's because of the order I watched them in, or maybe I've just got a flair for the more musical, because I really, really enjoy Babylon and potentially rate it over Whiplash. Controversial opinion, I know. Um, yeah, keen to get your thoughts and keep up the great work. Cheers. Yeah, keen to get your thoughts and keep up the great work. Cheers. 
Thanks, Dan. Dan, thank you so and much. Also, great to have an international voice on the show. Coming straight well. in with a good day. I love that. Coming from the other side of the planet. I love that. We probably both disagree with that take on Whiplash to Babylon yes. and La La Land, but I... Totally respect it, but I think we, you and I are much more... Second La La Land shout today. Yes, La La Land getting a lot of love. love. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, um, so George, directors, the, the order. watching order, if we've made, how that affects it. I don't... In a way, I, I think it, it doesn't matter, I would say, in yeah. the sense that if you watch a, film, a filmmaker's work in order, let's Which say... I think it's rare. It's rare to get the chance to do that. Well, unless they're a contemporary filmmaker, like yes. someone like... Jordan Peele, who's coming, these films are coming out yeah. as your, you know, in present time. Chances are, like, the great films, you're very unlikely to have seen them in order. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I think the benefit of watching them in order is obviously you see a filmmaker grow and flex and, yeah. and, and get better as, as a craft person. But the, the, the benefit sometimes of seeing a film, of a, a filmmaker's f- filmography jumbled up is that you can jump in when they have honed themselves, when they're yeah. at the top of their game. And then you can kind of trace it back to its source and see where they were working earlier on in their career. What elements of their style did they leave out? What elements of their style did they carry forward? What ingredients and nuggets do you see that they were able to then eventually tease out? Yeah. When I talked about Tarantino a few months ago, you know, when I re- re- re-watched Reservoir Dogs, what I found interesting that there were elements of style in that film that have not carried forward into Tarantino's later work. Like just a few types of shots that felt like, oh, that doesn't actually feel very Tarantino-esque as we Mm. come to know it. But other ingredients you do, you go, well, that's, you know, a a trademark of his. So um, I don't think it would ever diminish the, I think, I think ultimately that if you didn't enjoy a subsequent, if you like um, your email there saying that you didn't enjoy Whiplash as much, I don't fundamentally think actually that's because of the order with which you watch those films. I think it's probably you are just more of a La La Land person. You, yeah. you enjoy it more. I don't think that would have changed if you'd watched Whiplash first. I think if, well, all, all that would have happened is you would have said, oh, I watched Whiplash, I quite liked it, but now La La Land, I really like it. Yeah, there's like a common musical thread to all of Damon Chazelle's films, but they're all very different, I think. He does keep it fairly. Except for First Man. Except no musical. Man. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Neil, Neil Armstrong didn't take the trumpet up to the, no. <laughs> to the moon. <laughs> but it's like, I think it matters for some filmmakers more than others. Like, for example, like the Coen brothers mix up what they do a lot. And there's, yes, there's like common threads, but mm. their films are really different. And I feel like watching them out of order doesn't really matter to how you experience no, that's them. that's true. Like you could jump from Inside Lewin Davis to like yeah. The Big Lebowski and you're not gaining or losing anything mm. from either one of those. So or I think we politely disagree. Yeah, yeah. That email. That or even like, like David Fincher films. They seem to be fairly consistent. Mm. And like I don't feel, maybe I haven't watched them all recently, but you could probably just watch them in any order and you get a nice Fincher sense yeah. in a lot of it and you can see the common threads. Mm. Yeah, but yeah. Interesting, interesting. I wonder if it like me like binging a director in order if that would have a really different experience on us. This next voice note is from Ray, who says... Hey there, Pulp Kitchen. My name is Ray Love Jr. And I am calling in from Los Angeles, California. But my hometown, and I always have to mention this, is Carroll City, which is a neighborhood in Miami, Florida. Uh, Congratulations on 100 episodes. Um, I am one of your Black Millennial listeners. And I would love to know what are your top five favorite films made by, directed, produced, or starring a Black filmmaker in the past 10 years. Again, congrats on the show, and I can't wait for the next 100 episodes. 
first of all, what ray. a ray of what sunshine a, you are. Yeah, literally a ray of sunshine and a fantastically produced, radio-friendly Very voice n- nice microphone there. And then yeah. the picture in Ray's signature is a beautifully lit studio shot with him just leaning over his, his yeah. hand there. It's lovely. Ray, you are a ray of sunshine. Absolutely. Very good question. I um, So, some, you know, in preparation for these shows, some of these notes we've caught a little bit of, you know, ahead of time. We've yeah, got yeah, a, yeah. We've got so. a few answers ready. I've been thinking about your, your question, Ray. And I don't know if I could like organize them into a list of of five, but uh, obviously, in terms of black filmmakers in the last ten years, the, the immediately jumps to mind is like, well, we've had Jordan Peele come on the scene, mm. and I you know, absolutely love Get Out, and I really liked Us. Um, in being in the last ten years, I can just 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 get it under the wire to say that Steve McQueen's Twelve, um, 12 Angry Men, Twelve Years, 12 years slave, slave, yeah. gets there. Um, I, I also rave about not in the last ten years, but Steve McQueen's Shame great movie yes yes that's right so good but um i would say uh, the two answers i really want to focus on is that first of all um barry jenkins i've only Mm. seen moonlight once but i've also only seen if bill street could talk once but i think if bill street could talk is a really great beautiful film that kind of got slept on a little bit yeah it it really didn't get the push that you would expect for an oscar winning exactly and it kind of just suddenly appeared quite quickly soon after on on amazon it's a really beautiful sad film ensemble cast uh, just just a a really lovely movie um and then uh, i don't know if you could call this person a filmmaker in the sense that i don't know i don't know if they actually direct yeah. but in terms of a creative talent both behind the camera in, in writing and in informing a directorial vision and on screen i'm actually going to go for michaela cole yeah british great british talent who came out with this series in the uk in 2020 called i may destroy you which i really don't know how much that was watched overseas yeah i know it was i know it was distributed and i think it might have gotten a picked up like an emmy nomination or something but i think it was very much on the, th- on the back of it doing very well in the UK. And then getting cast of... in like Black Panther 2 is like a big like yeah. mainstream step for Michaela Cole, right? Exactly. And I May Destroy You, just obviously it came out in a year when we were all watching TV and it was yeah. this really bold 13-part series about not just about sexual assault, but like the ripple effects of it, about the trauma of it, about discussions around it, about the, the kind of the pressure it puts on people and their friends and their relationships and just explores that whole conversation around that topic mm. in a really interesting, uh, edgy, uh, uncomfortable, but thought-provoking way. Yeah. And uh, I, like a lot of people, ended that series being like, wow, what a talent. Yeah. What an absolute talent. And I would love Michaela Cole to shift into to films as well. Yeah, to write, write, write another thing that has that kind of impact as well. Exactly. I mean, so she, she didn't technically direct that series, but she worked so closely with the director who yeah. did. It's like, well, it's he said, vision. He, said star, he also said star, starring, right. yeah. yeah. So yeah. Uh, Michaela Cole and Barry Jenkins uh, in particular. Yeah, I think in the mainstream, like sort of the biggest director now who makes films about... Black, about being black, about black culture. Jordan Peele, obviously, mm. like on the biggest stage doing that with us and um, Get Out. Um, and I'd say also like Ava DuVernay mm. d- directing Selma, I thought was really good. David Owello, mm. absolutely incredible. A yellow, in that. A yellow way, thank you. Uh, doing incredible performance. And then in terms of um, Star, I think John Boyega's performance in Detroit oh, is yeah. such an yeah. under, under-talked about performance. It's, yeah. Again, it's obviously about race. It's a really intense yeah gripping film um and he's got that very uncomfortable role as a guy who's a private security guard so yeah. he's a man in uniform 
where in, in a time when all the other people in uniform and the National Guard and the police were all white. Yeah. But he's also, but, but he's black, so it, Oh, yeah. film is I just know it's like I feel it in my bones it's under discussed yeah. and that performance is also I really put John Boyega on the map like post Force Awakens as being like oh yeah he's like yeah. he's here to stay he's mm. really really good um, yeah and then my uh, my shame nomination yeah. from before thank you very much Ray for that note this next one is from Taha hello James and George Taha here it's been genuinely a pleasure seeing you guys over the last two years and continuously better the show from removing the kitchen out of Pop Kitchen a bit and introducing your games, bringing new ones and continuously improving how you interact with your audiences. I just had like a quick question. If you could go back on day one of the podcast, what would be one key piece of advice you would give to your younger selves? And looking forward to years, what would be one key goal that you guys wish you achieved? Again, it's been incredible seeing you guys and, uh, sorry, sirens on my end this time. And here's to a hundred more episodes of Pop Kitchen. Oh, Taha, oh, thank you, thank you so very much. Funny. Sirens um, on your end. Sirens yeah. on your end. That's a really good question. So what about the show then? One thing you wish you, I mean, achieved is like, uh, we, we are like in the process of trying to achieve loads of things for the yes. show. Like we're always trying to like do bigger and more and what's next. But is there anything you would change? Well, no, if we, so in terms of going, if we could go back two years to talk to George and James two mm. years ago, I would say... Run. Um, <laughs> you don't need the food. Stark. <laughs> uh, but also I think it's more that like, this might sound weird because we do this every week and we put it on, but like genuinely it's taken me, me I don't know about you James, but it's taken yeah. me a very long time to realize that people genuinely want to listen to what we have to say yeah like people like i i've i because it felt like such an egotistical idea it's to an inherently that. narcissistic yeah, thing to say i'm gonna do a podcast yeah to assume that and then and then and then sure enough over the past two years you know hearing everyone's thoughts and emails and their voice notes and stuff is maybe just grow realize that it's okay to actually be open to the fact that people do want to hear what we have to say yeah and i almost wish i could go back and say don't be afraid of of maybe you know having your opinions and talking about it because just do your thing and, and people will, will listen. I think that's also like a reason why the show the show has obviously grown on and gained like a consistency of what we know it is to be. But you almost look at the food thing and you go, "That's great," but it's almost us being afraid to just be like, "We're going to do this yes. thing that yes, loads of other people do." But yeah. when you realise when you do it yourself you actually realize you're only going to do it the way you know how to do it, which is unique and individual. Yes. I think what we found is that we thought there'd be loads of other people doing exactly what we're doing, but really there aren't. After a certain point, there's not. It kind and of levels out. Yeah, yeah like the work, I think what we did just like to motivate each other, we're always just like, it's more important that you're consistent than perfect. Yeah. Consistency is what gets you just like focus on getting it out, getting yeah. the thing good enough. Mm. Um, yeah, and then, and then, in, and, then in, and then in two years' time, it's just like yeah, we will. We probably can't discuss them, but we have lots of goals that we would like to totally yeah to do, um, which you will just hopefully see when they come to fruition. Yeah, yeah. we'll keep you posted. But a nice question, Taha. Yeah, Taha. Thanks, other Pakistani correspondent. Yeah, I should have prefaced that. Taha, thank you so much. This next one is from Ryan. Hello, James and George. Um, I had a question. If you could replace. Any two of the top 10 IMDb lists, what would you get rid of and what would you add in? Ooh. Happy 100th, guys. 
That's a good question. That's really right. Good. Thank you right, very let's much. Let's get the list. So up. the list as it stands, and I just want to say we've looked at these lists, and they're all they're all over the place. But you know, if you were to use IMDb Ron Tomatoes yeah. as a metric, here is as me. of twenty uh, eighth of October, twenty twenty three. This is how the top ten stand. I'll start at number ten. Number ten, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. Right. Number nine, The Fellowship of the Ring. Right. Number eight, Pulp Fiction. Number seven, Return of the King. Number six, Schindler's List. Number, tw- number five, 12 Angry Men. Number four, Godfather Part Two. Number three, The Dark Knight. Number two, Godfather. Number one, Shawshank. Okay, let me just, I'm going to pull this list up. No, so I just want to say, like, it. Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse is number 23. I thought Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse was fantastic. It's not the 23rd best film ever made. I'm also, I, 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 again, you know, like, this is like another five-year rule, but I feel like any movie that kind of came out in the past five years Yeah, you can't, always can't, you're too, you, you can't see the forest canonized. Um, yeah. Okay, I mean, the fact that there's two Lord of the Rings films in there just seems a bit greedy. I agree, I agree. I think you could take one out. I am going to, if I may, remove... Oh, when I last looked at this, that's interesting. So when I prepared this, Fight Club was in the top 10 and now Fight Club is number 12. So this is a very dynamic... Kind of volatile. List. So I was going to take Fight Club out and mm. Return of the King. But if I can't take Fight Club out, I'm going to take Shawshank out. Um... I'm going to take Shawshank out. I, I disagree with you, and I'll tell you that why in a second. I would take out The Dark Knight and, well, uh, like initially, initially cultural I, impact. I would is. take out both Lord of the Rings in the sense that I haven't seen it, but I, I will leave one Lord of the Rings in to recognize. I think Fellowship stays in for me personally. Okay, so leave one Lord of the Rings in. I would take out one Lord of the Rings and The Dark Knight, really. Yeah. Or I'd take out one of The Godfathers, probably the second one. I always prefer the first just to make this representation of only one thing. So in that list, you've got two Godfathers, two, two Lord Knights. of the Rings, and I oh know, only one. Oh, sorry, one Dino. Yeah, so it feels a little bit greedy. Mm. My thing about Shawshank is this. I'm not saying that it is the number one film of all time. You and I always a have lot to of people to Shawshank, yeah. Shawshank about this. <laughs> but the fact that it is number one, with the amount of votes that it re- has received, yeah. right? It's, eight, um, it's at 9.3, and Godfather is at 9.2, and there's an 800,000... Gap, yes, meant two point eight million between million, yeah. one and two. Is that the reason? Yeah. God, the fact that Shawshank has stayed consistently at number one. The fact that it is a film that did very poorly at the box office, but then gained a life through video circulation totally. and rentals. Right, speaks to the. It's almost like it democratically speaks to the 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 power the of that film. Themes being a- yeah, and 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 the, and how you know. How, how clearly that film works with people because mm. it, 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 it should have fallen off the face of the earth, but it found a way to connect with people and everyone seems to be voting for it. So whether or not you think it's the greatest film of all time doesn't matter. It's like the you kind of need it. to... The people clearly love it and have loved it very much for a long time. Mm. And on top of that, there are lots of films that lots of people love that aren't great or split opinion. But the thing is, is that Shawshank... The debate is always about whether it's a good or a great film. There's no debate that it's a good or bad film. No. That's the thing. So yeah. I'm like, well, it's clearly a good film plus, and you're, where you sit is somewhere between good and great. So it, as a testament to the people, as a testament to film audiences, it's just Shawshank remains. Yeah. Oh, and, but two wants to put in there. Yeah, so my, my first vote is The Matrix 1. Mm. For me personally, I'd say that that belongs at the top. One of my favorite action films of all time. I think it continues to be relevant, re- relevant despite being like about like dated technology. I don't mm. know how it's managed to find that line mm. between like 
it's techie yeah. from the late 90s, but like still kind of very much simulation theory. It's thought-provoking, really while also thought being incredibly thrilling. It's the smartest action film about. Yeah. I think, um, I don't know. The thing is, all those, it's tough. I mean, obviously, I want to be like, ah, just... Do you want to know what my wanky modern... My, my wanky recent answer is? Not because the film came out recently, because I saw it recently, is Mulholland Drive. Because uh, I do, since I've seen it, get the reason why it eludes so many people. It does, like, stay on my mind, its stickiness, and the fact that I feel like I need to rewatch it. And I get... I, I start to get the hype the more distance I have from the first time I've seen it. And I'm like, God, this is really weird. Um, and brilliant. I think... It's hard because... Would you go for Aliens? Uh, I don't know yours. if I put it in the top 10 films of all time. Before Sunset? I mean, I'd, obviously I'd put that in there, but then yeah. I also... That's your, that, it's your choice. It's, it, 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 top, before Sunset It's is, a mixture of like what you love and yeah. what you would happily declare to the people of the world is so, deserves to be in the top 10. I'm just going to find this for a second. So Before Sunset is currently at 220 okay, of so the you, 250. But across the Spider-Verse. <laughs> I, I, loved, I loved Across the Spider-Verse. I think really I would good. put Before Sunset in there as representation of a whole of, of the best trilogy of all time. Actually, you know, what the hell am I talking yeah, about? Yeah, it's George Sunset. Like <laughs> the, the Before Sunset absolutely goes in there. And then um, There Will Be Blood. Yeah, There Will Be Blood. Great shout. I'd be very happy if it was, if it was in there. We're yeah. big fans. George uh, rewatched it recently and yeah. did a whole bit about it. You can go check it out. There yeah, you go. That'd be great. Thank you so much, Ryan. Great question. This next one is from Cameron on the Instagrams. George James. James and George. Um, I'm having to hide in a bathroom cubicle to record this, so I hope you can hear me properly. My question is for the both of you, if you could cap off a movie series at the first film, what series would you pick? And to then make it more interesting, you can also pick a different film from further down the line in the series to replace the first film, if that makes sense. Anyway, congrats on the big 100. Whoop, whoop. Cameron, thank you so much. Thanks for making my Wednesdays a lot better, guys. Cheers. Thank you so much. Thank you. Cameron, thank you so much. So, George, a film that... uh, So, first question was, if you could cut off a film series at its first film, what would you choose and why? Uh, Okay, I've kind of got two answers for this. Uh, A couple of answers. I'm kind of like shifting the goalposts a little bit. First of all, I would uh, die hard. Um, But if I I had to shift a a thing up, I've said this before, you bring die hard three up and it just goes die hard one, die hard three, end of the series. Sure, yeah, yeah, it's fine. My other thing would be, this isn't any- Die hard three also works without die hard one working really as well, happening. There's, there's the link, but like it could it could work if like a cop did something Yeah, it's true, but in a way I'm like, why would I watch die hard three on its own when I would watch die hard one? I'd always rather Die Hard. Well, imagine if Die Hard. Yeah, but imagine a world where Die Hard One didn't exist. I can't do that. <laughs> um, and the In other one would world. be: uh, this is not capping a film off after the first one. A series after the first one is after the first two, mm-hmm. which would be uh, Terminator and Aliens. Oh yeah, you just put a hard cut mm-hmm. on both those franchises after the first two films. You go, Thank mm-hmm. you very much. That's all we need. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I just mentioned it, but The Matrix doesn't need a sequel. Oh, why the hell did I forget that one? That is so obvious. Two yeah. and three are like, in this sort of like post-hating The Matrix world, like kind of have something to enjoy. I thought four was trash and just like a fart in the wind well, just you, came okay. and went. I've been thinking about, sorry, I thought about Matrix four yeah. recently, which is that I, I was much kind, more kind on it than, than you were. Yeah, I, I, really I still think that in the first half, there was some interesting stuff going on. But I will say that 
I, I, when, when, I, when I think about it, I'm just like, oh my yeah. god, that exists. A fourth that happened. Like, it did came, I dream that? They, it, it was that an feels, SNL it, sketch? Yeah, it feels like a dream. It came. They made it. And it just, it made no impact on the current cultural landscape. Zero. No, Zeitgeist was unaffected. And it, it's actually quite depressing. It's like, yeah. oh my God, we went to all that trouble to get Keanu back and yeah. Keanu Moss and right. we did the thing. thing. Are we going to do it? Yeah. Yeah. And then you did it and no God, one cares. No one's talking about that now. Which is a shame because The Matrix as a film is so relevant. Yeah. Uh, my other slightly different, so I think uh, you could argue that Jurassic Park 1 is the only good Jurassic Park. Yep. And then <sighs> my other answer which is slightly different which i thought of is imagine if they never made a sequel to paranormal activity how much more of an impact that one horror film would have had it'd be more if there were nine of them yeah yeah because i think the paranormal activity one at the height uh. of found footage was really interesting like imagine if they made seven blair which project oh, sequels God, yeah you're right how much the impact of blair which project would have just been diminished yeah and i think despite it also being a found footage film you could have had like a horror film that I think loads of people quite happy to be like, oh, but Paranormal Activity 1 was so raw, so uncut, yeah. so interesting. Like it didn't need to show and explain the de- whatever it was. I but because you that. made seven of them, I don't know how many they made. Because you made no, so no, many, you made a lot. it diminishes its, its I think, impact. I agree. I also would almost say that for Saw in a way. Yeah, the first totally. Saw is kind of interesting enough. Yeah. I kind of plucky enough, got a little twist at the end. Yeah. But if you made no more, obviously the, the industrial process that is Hollywood will never yeah. let that happen. And those films cost like a hundredth of what they make in the yeah. box office. So like if you just left it on its own, it's more likely. Also the hangover. I remember Jerry Seinfeld oh, saying to, yeah. um, I can't remember who you said it to. Totally. It was one of the people who's in the hangover, but he was like, do you think that, it might be Zach Galifianakis, he said, yeah. if you hadn't made any more hangovers, that film would now much be much more regarded as a classic. One of the great like, like modern, modern comedies. Yeah. But because you made two terrible sequels, yeah. it's really diminished. Totally. totally. Mm. Okay, so now a film that's, later in the series that you would cut off oh you said Die Hard 3 well I would know that I would bring it up earlier yeah yeah. so Die Hard 3 is what one that I would bring up earlier in the series and cut out yeah. Die Hard 2 just have, just have a double build I don't have an answer for that but we've answered it there you go this next one is from Emily hi James and George George and James it's Emily friend of the show slash stalker um, and I just had a general film question. I just wanted to know what element of the filmmaking process do you think would be the most fun to work in? Um, I always thought that location scout would be really fun or casting director just to have that power. Um, but I know that you guys love photography and videography. So I'd just be intrigued to know which part of the filmmaking process that you fancy yourself working in, um, if you could. Um, yeah, much love. Really excited for the 100th episode. And I'm sorry that this message doesn't come from anywhere exotic or in the middle of nowhere. I am from Northampton. Anyway, have fun um, for your 100th episode. Bye. I just love hearing from the people who've been emailing us yes. for like over a year They're and like real. putting a voice to the name. It's great. Yeah, it's Emily, thank you so much. George, uh, yeah, if you were to cherry pick a part I mean, of the filmmaking process, I mean, as, what would you choose? Um, as, that's my phone. Uh, <laughs> as, as many, I'd love to be involved in as many, like, especially like, loads, loads of pop roles, basically. Yeah. Oh, you know, acting, directing is great. But one, I hear that my, my instinct is actually kind of editing mm. because I like, you know, there's this old maxim in filmmaking that like a film is saved in, in an edit. Yeah. And I remember an actor telling me once, it was like the two most important roles on a film are not the director, it's the first AD and the editor because yeah. the first AD can 
get all the blind spots that the director can't get. Yeah. And the editor literally takes an, an assemblage of material and raw material. Raw material screenplay by their hand worn out director on the other and has to assemble it into to being to being cogent and being and being and having meaning and we we were so used to watching films thinking they're like this intact piece but there were so many different interpretations of how that different editing, takes different yeah, exactly and i think the idea of kind of working usually on your own in like a, in a piecing together um, strands of this film to tell a story and thinking well the script wants to do this, the director wants to do that, that's why I'm going to do this particular type of cut here and there. Um, it's brilliant. And that there's like an idea that, you know, in editing, when they teach editing, it's like you should cut every time there's a new idea. You should cut every time you would blink, you know. There's, no, sorry, the idea comes that um, this guy believed that humans blink every time they have a new idea and, and a film should correspond with that. Mm. I find that quite interesting. I've not blinked since I was <laughs> <Yeah>. four. <laughs> uh, so editing, I would say, also, this is a bit of a cop-out because it's not actually a role with that much responsibility. A stills photographer. Mm, I've said that. Because you are right there in the action. Behind and this scene. is, so people have done, you know, it's, it's someone who captures still photography of the set, which they use for marketing, whatever. And you are right there. You will almost be like crouched by the director. Mm. And even when they do like a closed set, you're probably one of the few people that are allowed there. You, so you're not, you don't have, you don't make any decisions about what's, your, what's in front of you, but you are getting a front row seat to the action of what's happening. That was my answer as well. Oh, sorry. It's, no, not at all. It's to capture something. I think the really great things sometimes happen by mistake on sets mm. and sometimes happen very purposefully, but to like capture that moment and to have that moment actually patina and age and improve. Mm. You might not know what you're capturing at that time, but actually that moment when that person said that line mm. or that thing happened and capturing it. And it's quite, as behind the scenes photographer, it's quite easy to make things look good because everything's been professionally lit mm. already. Yeah. It's like everything is inherently cinematic by design. You just have to actually capture the moment and also for for a long period of time that that is that is the identity before a film is released the identity of that film is through its stills mm, yeah. oh you know new trailer release for this film you'll see a still of the thing, yeah. sort of thing. for killers of the flower moon there's a that still like that. yeah yeah <laughs> but there's also a still of um uh lily gladstone and martin scorsese in church talking and they're like kind of bathed in this beauty like, as you say everything's already pre-lit yeah. And it looks fantastic. Now, I don't know if that was a deliberately set up shot. It looks to me like Martin mm. sat next to Martin, like I know him. <laughs> Marty sat next to Lily Gladstone, was talking her through the scene, and the still photographer just got this brilliant shot that you wouldn't you wouldn't normally take them of a director yeah. necessarily talking, and it was just great. And then my other answer is like obvious, but like cinematography. Yeah. I would just love to work with people at the very top of their game, mm. working to a brief, using lighting, yeah. the finest equipment to create like the most beautiful thing. And, it's, and everything is just so, mm. like the work I do, it's very much like we just get what we get and like you try and make it look as mm. good as possible, but nothing's like necessarily like finely tuned. I'd love to just have, like dedicate every morsel to like that one shot exactly as it was mm. meant to be. But that's like, you know, very obvious for me because I film stuff. Are. Yeah, not to that level though. <laughs> this next one is from Hannah. Hi guys, I would like to know what your favourite comfort film is. I was thinking about this recently, so whenever I have a stressful day or if something really bad happens, I always want to watch School of Rock. Oh. And it always cheers me up, it's one of my favourite films. So yeah, I'd like to know what your favourite comfort film is. Great comfort film. That's a really good comfort great, film. Great, great comfort film. I would film. also say, um, not that I watched, haven't, haven't watched these films very recently, but like Mean Girls, yeah, very good. Easy A, um, uh, 
I also would say, um, like we mentioned it earlier, but like aliens. Like last time I was like, yeah, Ill, I was like bedbound ill. I watched aliens. And the reason that's great is it's long enough to sustain your attention. It's, it's good enough to make you not feel like trash, like crap because you're watching something utterly yeah. trashy. And it's got, it's got enough going on to keep you entertained. Um, yeah, and it's also escapist enough. There's something about that I quite like. The, the danger of it is quite cathartic. Yeah. Um, but something like School of Rock is, is, is brilliant. Such a good show. You know, I'm going to get in trouble. I'm yeah. hungry. Um, I'd say Bridget Jones is a good one. Notting Hill. Mm. Um, Lord of the Rings, which I've said many mm. times. Star Wars, yeah. the original trilogy. Star Wars really quite is, comforting. yeah. Yeah, those. Those are that, that's cozy. A cozy into bed. Yeah. When Harry Met Sally. Oh, yeah, Harry Met Sally. Really. The, the rom coms, that's what they're there for. Every single that time, yeah. But yeah, but they're not, they're not you know, the, the best of the rom coms, you know, the, the, the kind of yes, cast, the cream and crop. That's yeah. Oh, Bridesmaids. As Bridesmaids, well. great. Really yeah. good one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This next one is from Doug. Hello, George and James, the OG friends of the podcast. Congratulations on 100 episodes. And hello to all the sirens too, it's Douglas from Glasgow here. Very simple question, but a big one in film. What are your personal six degrees of Kevin Bacon? Cheers. Right, thanks Doug. So, six degrees of Kevin Bacon is a thing where, you know, the idea that everyone in the world can, can lead to Kevin Bacon. Link to Kevin Bacon yeah. in six links. Um, I've been trying to do this all morning and I'm really struggling. Where do you count, the, where do you, is it anyone you've met? Anyone you've met and who have they met and, until you get to Kevin Bacon. Yeah, okay, all right. So I, I'm i trying to get into that world. So I'm like, so I, I know Phil Dunster, who's on Ted Lasso, and then I'm like, I guess if I go Phil to Te- Jason Sudeikis, that's that's another link. And then I'm like, has Jason Sudeikis ever been in a film with Kevin Bacon? Or has he been in a film or done a project with someone who's then done something with Kevin Bacon? Yeah. And then I'm like, what's Kevin Bacon been in? Crazy Stupid Love, The Guardians of the Galaxy Holiday Special, uh, Mystic River, uh, X Men First Class. Yeah. So I think help me, James. H- help help me get from Jason Sudeikis to so, Kevin Bacon. Jason Sudeikis is in Horrible Bosses. Yeah, it was Charlie. Uh, Jason Sudeikis. Meanwhile, I'm doing Kevin Bacon. I'm nearly there. I'm so nearly there. So Kevin Bacon, I'm going to reel off some people he's worked with. Lawrence Fishburne, Sean Penn, Tim Robbins, uh, Chris Pratt, Dave Bautista, Palm Clementif, um, uh, January Jones. Oh, oh no. Who? No. Um, no. Uh, uh, what do you call it? Michael Fassbender, James McAvoy, Rose Byrne. Oh. Oh, hang on. Rose Byrne. That could Rose be one. Byrne. So Kevin Bacon's in X-Men First Class with Rose Byrne. Rose Byrne is in surely Rose Byrne links to Jason Sudeikis through American comedy. Surely they've been in a project together. Wait, but, uh, so Rose Byrne is in Bridesmaids. What, what, are you, what are you confused about? Isn't Rose Byrne in... She's in X-Men First Class. It's like That's what I just said, yeah. And Kevin Bacon's in X-Men First Class. That's what... I'm, I'm working it back but from Kevin Bacon to from Rose Jason Byrne to Jason Sudeikis. Yeah. Uh, she's, a, she's an agent, I think, in it. So Rose Byrne... Uh, let's, she's in Bridesmaids. Yeah. So Jason Sudeikis has surely been in something... With one of the Carter Bridesmaids. Jason Jacobs is surely he was on oh. SNL with Kristen is, Wiig, um, right? Is does um uh, Chris Chris uh, what's the face from Bridesmaids? No, Chris O'Dowd. Yeah, Chris O'Dowd. Has he done anything with Jason Sudeikis? I feel like they're in that world. Surely. Yeah, but wasn't Jason Sudeikis on SNL with 
Kristen Wiig at yes. the same time. Yes, must right. have done. Okay, must here we have go. Done something too. Me to Phil, Phil to Jason, Jason to Kristen on SNL, yeah. Kristen, Kristen to Rose Byrne on Bridesmaids, yeah. Rose Byrne to Kevin Bacon on X-Men First Class. Nice. Whether these people are still in contact, I have no idea. So my one, <laughs> uh, I once made a tea for Brian Cox of Succession fame wow. when I was a runner. And then Brian Cox was in Brian Singer's X-Men to, yeah, yes. as Striker. Striker. And Brian Singer would have definitely consulted and been a script something on Matthew Vaughan's X-Men First Class. Right. So there and you then go. in X-Men First Class, you've got Kevin oh, Bacon. Oh, I see. That's a bit of And a... they would just would have, Brian Singer and Matthew Vaughan would have at some point. I'm pretty sure. I'm that's to, the only loose one. But there's, there's no way that when you take, and considering that Brian Singer also went on to do X-Men, she did, he did a recent one, didn't he? Did he do Apocalypse? Singer? No. No, did he not? Brian Singer? No. I don't think he's made a film since Bohemian Rhapsody. He directed X-Men Apocalypse. Brian Singer. And oh, he did Days of Future Past as well. So that, that brings me to... And Matthew Vaughan would have been involved in Days of Future Past. So the link there is, I think, is solid. Mm. And then therefore, you, All right, get, I'll you get Kevin Bacon. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Making bacon. Making bacon. But the argument is that anyone can have a link to anyone in the, on the planet within six. Yeah. yeah. And, but they use Kevin Bacon because it's just funny. So this next uh, this next voice note is from Sam. And just to let you know, there is a spoiler in this note for the film Midnight Cowboy, which is a very, very good film. So if you don't want to hear the spoiler for the film Midnight Cowboy, skip over this note. Just thought I should say that, because when I heard it, I, I, knew, I, I luckily have seen Midnight Cowboy. So I was like, yeah, he's right. Hiya, gents. Uh, it's Sam here, your uh, running correspondent. I've uh, emailed in a few times. Um, a very quick question for you. Uh, what film I'd like to know is sort of kept you happy and entertained the whole way through, then right at the last second, delivering an absolute gut punch of, a, of an ending, got you in tears, made you think about the world. Uh, my one for this is uh, Midnight Cowboy, the, the horrible destiny on the coach at the end. So I'd love to hear your thoughts as well. All right, thank you. Thank you, Sam. Mm -hmm. um, I will also say Midnight Cowboy is quite sad all the way through in a way. Like, yeah, I, like happy all the way through. Me, but Maybe just sad endings. Just ones that surprise, just really kind of, oh, yeah. God. Because I... My, my the, the sad ending for Marley and me. Good God. If you, are, if you have a dog, yeah. warning. That, should, that film should come with a warning. I, I haven't seen An it. An emotional warning. Yeah, I mean, everyone, it doesn't matter. Everyone knew what was going to happen, but yeah. my God. That is a sad ending. Uh, I've said this now two episodes in a row, but right, the ending of Arrival, really sad. Oh, yeah, that's quite, yeah. yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, without spoiling, really, really sad. Um, um, Moonlight sad, but in a kind of like happy, sort of cathartic, emotionally cathartic way. How is that very sad at the end? How does that ultimately end? Because they, well, you know, the they both meet up yeah, at the, the diner, diner yeah. and they're both like, he's like a different version of himself and they connect, but they don't really, it's sad. I suppose if Beale Street could talk, actually, but it's kind of sad, beautiful and sad. All the Toy way Story Three is famous one. Um, I'm going to go for Dead no, Poets. Yeah, but I would say sorry, sorry, but yeah. uh, that's not. Um, uh, oh, um, Brokeback Mountain. Brokeback Mountain. I was going to say Dead Poets Society. Yeah. Oh, Captain, my Captain. Yeah. But that's is that a gut punch? But the guy, the, guy, the kid dies at the end of post because he couldn't do drama. Oh, <laughs> yeah. no. It's 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 like it's the anti toxic masculinity film before it was cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, I'd say past lives recent recent one. Ooh, yeah. And sad in a really Ooh, unique yeah. way. That's a really good unique. Like, I don't know how I feel about that. It's mm. just I'd really say past lives, Brokeback Mountain. Emotionally intense. Um, yeah, loads. Sad films are everywhere. Thank you, Sam. Coco. Coco. Oh my God, Coco. 
I want to rewatch Coco, but I also don't because I just like mm. don't want to be sad. Well, there you go, guys. That was all of the voice notes that you sent. I genuinely, every time we got a voice note in, mm. I had the biggest smile on my face yeah. listening to them and genuinely just so cool it to is. hear from you. And yeah. there's nothing like looking at uh, numbers on the screen, seeing people listening to our show. But when you hear from people and people write in, it genuinely does like really make us it's really happy it's the coolest thing in the world thank I you can't wait to meet some of you it makes it real it really makes it real 100%. the emails do that but like actually hearing your voices it means so much yeah i'd love and to do more of the voice notes i yeah. think it actually really works as a it's a question format to hear from you guys but um yeah thank you very much so those 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 so those have been some of your voice notes now we're going to conclude as we do every episode with okay, okay. James, we are going to conclude our 100th episode Ooh. with three rounds of the version of the game that you did for me last week, mm-hmm. which is quick mm-hmm. fire, this or that. Mm-hmm. Tell me like which James one you Bond in this or rehab. That. That's what the game is called. This, this or, or that. that. Yeah. This or Love that. It. Quick fire, okay? Okay. So right. they're mostly film related. Oh, okay. All right. Okay? okay. James, tell me which of these do you prefer in three, two, one, Austin Powers or Ace Ventura? Ace Ventura. Shaun of the Dead or Hot Fuzz? Hot Fuzz. Bill Murray or Bill Nye? Nye. Mm. Chris Pine or Chris Evans? You know, I think it's Evans. Mm. The Thing or Alien? I'm going to go Alien. Finding Nemo or The Incredibles? Finding Nemo. Sigourney Weaver or Jamie Lee Curtis? Ooh, Sigourney Weaver. Die Hard or Lethal Weapon? Die Hard. Speed or Point Break? Uh, I'm going to go Speed. Psycho or American Psycho? Uh, or Psycho. I'm going to go Psycho. Castaway or The Martian? Castaway. Dunkirk or Saving Private Ryan? Oh, I'm going to go Dunkirk. Fish and chips or a kebab? Fish and chips. That's the first round there. There you go. Very good. I agree. Good. It is intense. I is agree intense. with you. I would say, yeah, I would have said Sigourney Weaver. Yeah. Uh, I probably actually, just because, because I wrote Tom- about it for my dissertation, I probably <laughs> would have gone for American Psycho. Yes. I agree. Speed over Point Break. I think Dunkirk, yes, just has the edge just. over Saving Private Ryan. And I also would have gone for Bill Nye. Only because I hadn't seen Saving, I told you the other week, my recall of Saving Private Ryan oh, was yes. poor. I've seen it once a long time ago. Yes. I need to rewatch it. But, and did um, you say Ace Ventura as well? Yes, I, I did. think I would have yeah. just got it. But it's, just, a, I it's kind a of great, great match up there. Really, really good. Are you ready for your second round of this or yes. that? Yes, yes. It's hard when the actors come because you just get the flash of the entire filmography yeah, like yeah. both at the same time. I'm like, ah! James, very quickly, tell me which one of these you prefer. Okay. When Harry Met Sally or Sleepless in Seattle? When Harry Met Sally. Coca-Cola or Lemonade? Uh, lemonade. Starter or Dessert? Starter. Spielberg or Scorsese? I'm going to go Spielberg. Tarantino or Nolan? Uh, I'm going to go Tarantino. Olivia Coleman or Olivia Rodrigo? Let's <laughs> give Olivia Rodrigo. Why not? Billy Eilish or Billy Crystal? <laughs> Let's go, Billy Eilish. But she's not really in a film. Uncut Gems or Good Time? Ah, oh, Good Time. Jaws or The Terminator? Uh, I'm going to go for The Terminator. Mm, interesting. George Michael or Boy George? <laughs> George Michael. Forrest Gump or The Curious Case of Benjamin Button? I'm going to go Forrest Gump. And Moulin Rouge or Romeo and Juliet? Oh, I'm going to go for Moulin Rouge, but ah. they're both really, really good. That's a hard one. I would have gone for Romeo and Juliet, actually, yeah. but yeah. Two both of really, ones. really good. I, I, I would take either. I would okay. take either. Did you go for Olivia Rodrigo? Or did you go yeah, for yeah, Olivia I went for Olivia Rodrigo. Oh, okay. Rodrigo. Yeah, I was like, has she been in a film? But no. 
Very good. That's very challenging of me. Actually, I think I would have. Yeah, I think I would have gone for Billy Crystal over Billy Eilish. Actually, yeah, you just panicked me. I just I I saw her live and she was amazing. (laughs) I've not seen Billy Crystal live. (laughs) (laughs) Hey everybody! Hey. Okay, so put that thing back where you came from. (laughs) So for our third and final round, James, my heart rate of this or that. Yes, James, are you ready for your final round of this or that? Can you tell me which of these you prefer? James, tell me which of these you prefer in quickfire. Three, two, one. Richard E. Grant or Jeff Goldblum? Jeff Goldblum. Full English or roast dinner? Roast dinner. De Niro or Pacino? De Niro, but it's close. Power Rangers or Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? I guess Power Rangers? Adam Sandler or Ben Stiller? I'm going to go Ben Stiller. Jennifer Aniston or Reese Witherspoon? Jennifer Aniston. Oh, it's close. Jennifer Aniston. The Bear or Ted Lasso? Uh, the Bear. Peep Show or It's Always Sunny? Peep Show. Tina Fey or Amy Poehler? Oh, go Amy Poehler. Oh, really? It's close, okay. yeah. There you go, there you go. That was the third and final. I probably said Tina Fey because I love 30 Rock, but I've never I've seen I've not seen Perks. 30 Rock, so, and I've seen Parks. Parks, sorry. Parks, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> you really messed me up. Uh, yeah, no, interesting. Uh, De Niro yeah. Pacino's hard. I actually think I would have gone for Pacino <sighs> yeah, in a way as well. It's just, I've just seen De Niro in Killers, and he's, That's he's really special. But Pacino has done fewer films which means yeah. that he's done fewer duff films. Yes. But I think they've probably done the same amount of good films between them. Pacino is like more of a rare gem to find mm. now. And it's like, yeah. But then do De Niro, yeah, I don't think De Niro's like lesser films like The Internship with- Well, you say uh, that, but that's one of Quentin Tarantino's favorite films of that year. <laughs> yeah. He said it was amazing. It is, yeah. Um, it is. Anyway, and Richie Grant- you, you know why it's so good? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Nancy Myers knows what she's doing. With yeah. Richie Grant or Jeff Goldblum, I was like, because they are both kind of eccentric versions of like- Yeah. Like yeah. Jeff Goldblum's an okay. eccentric, uh, you know, wow. American, East Coast American. And then, yeah. you know, Richie Grant is just doing his mad running around the town. Like, the imagine, hair is up and it's sort of over. Can you imagine the, he's not that, he's not, he's not Louis Spence. No. He's, he's not that cat. <laughs> can you imagine a restaurant meal, you know, filmed between, like a version of the trip between yes. Richie Grant and Jeff Goldblum. It'd be so weird and wonderful. Or like a, 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 a 10 part podcast they did on life and music and society, but everywhere. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Jeff Goldblum actually, it makes sense that he is a jazz musician because he kind of speaks in jazz. Yeah. Just a little bit over here and then I'll, whoa, makes oh, up. freelancing over here. Free, mm. Freelancing, freestyling, I mean. Uh, a bit on, on yeah. too much. There you go, James. Those were our, those were our games. Thank you this. very much. Yeah. So everyone, this brings us to the conclusion of our 100th episode. We've really enjoyed celebrating it with you. We've loved having your notes on and it's just a note to say, we couldn't have got this far without you, our Thank listeners you so and our viewers. We really appreciate it. Like I said, when we started this, we didn't really know if people would be interested and people would want to do it. We just thought we would just I be consistent. I was prepared for no one to listen for quite a while. Yes. I think now is the time where if no one was still listening, I would have probably gone, George. I think we should call it. I think we should call it. No one's yeah. listening. But thankfully, there are people here. You, you guys make us make <laughs> it worthwhile. It. You're yeah. real. Those actually... weren't our voices or weren't our emails. Yeah. We are incredibly uh, thankful. Yeah, yeah, I'd like to ask you uh, Hello, <laughs> I have a question for George. Yeah. Um, thank oh, you so much. <laughs> I'm trying to say thank so. you. So thank you very, very much. And we, you know, we're, we look forward to the episodes ahead and continuing to deliver you guys. Mm-hmm. Good film chat, fun film chat, no food chat. Yeah. Minimal. Minimal. Two and a half percent food chat, <laughs> I'll give it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, if someone's like, what's the split between food 80% now? tea chat. Yes, yeah. 
We are also about to hit a big milestone on our subscriber count on Spotify. So guys, as a big present to us for our 100th episode, please, whatever device you are listening on, grab another device you have, your partners, your mums, your dads, sibling, grab it and subscribe to us on the Spotify, subscribe to us on YouTube. It really does help yeah. the show grow. It helps us do cool things. It helps us do more. That would mean the world to us if you could get us that milestone for episode 100. We would really, really appreciate it. Plus... And guys, of course, we said at the top of the show that you very kindly provided two £50 gift cards to someone who listens to our show. In order to win, you have to go to our YouTube channel, click subscribe, like this video, and comment below what film you would like to see with the gift card. You just need to put one film, and then George and I will go through and choose two winners from that list. But in order to win, you have to like and you have to uh, subscribe the YouTube video. So make sure you do that below. Many thanks to you for providing us with that gift card. I think it'll be great. Make sure you do this before episode 101 comes out, okay? That's the time frame. Um, George, thank you so much to 100. Thank you, James. I'll see you. It's been very a pleasure. formal, very formal yes. business. I'll see very you good. next week for the very quiz. Yeah. Yes. It's been great. It's been great. <laughs> and continue to follow us TikTok, Instagram, like, subscribe, shout. We got it. We're getting Give it. our new brand imagery a like. You know Go what? say how good looking yeah. we are. Yeah. Look Give us a little bit are. of love. Yeah. And you know what, guys? Give yourselves a bit of love. Thank yeah. Th- thank you. So give yourselves a pat on the back for listening to us so much. Yeah, I genuinely really do appreciate that we have an audience that's the best. Thank Enough you very thank much. Yous. Onwards with the next future. See you at 200. Yeah.